0: the rest of you would grab your bibles and turn to romans chapter 12 uh, a friend of mine who's pastoring pastor a church in springfield illinois and been, i think he's been there for now for 18 years <clears throat> i think he was some before that seven years but for the last 18 years he has preached on one passage every year He's preached the same passage at least once a year. Isn't that terrible? I mean, he can't come up with something better than that. You gotta, every time, every time, somewhere in January, he will preach out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it's a great passage of Scripture. Trust in the Word. Not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. It's great. Tremendous passage of Scripture. And every st- year in January, for the last 18 years, I know, he's preached on that passage of Scripture. And... Uh, you're thinking you just, a lot of people may be bothered by that i'm not i think it's a great idea because of the great truths there uh so to let you know i haven't done this every year in fact this is only the the, the as far as i know the third time i've preached on this passage of scripture it's preached been preached four times since i've been here because tyler preached one time and i can't remember why you preached that time was i sick or something and he jumped up i think at the last minute not the last minute but I called him probably in the middle of the night Tyler I'm sick help you know and Tyler got up and preached this passage of scripture maybe four times in the last it'll be I'll be been here 11 years at the end of January and uh it's just a great passage of scripture and I'm telling you I need to be reminded of the truths that are contained in this passage of scripture and this is what when I thought about two about two weeks ago when I was thinking about what I'm gonna preach uh, the last Sunday in 2013 um this passage came to mind and so i went and looked it up and began to study and go over it again and so we're going to be in romans 12 1 and 2 and it's probably a pr- pretty familiar passage for most of you so if you're not there already grab your copy of god's word turn there to romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 and forgive me for preaching a passage again all right um but uh, i think well i know for myself my own so i need to hear this this morning so beginning in verse 1 and perfect let's pray Lord uh, we come to a passage of scripture and maybe for many of us it's almost like John three 16. we've heard it so many times we've committed it to memory we, we've studied it we, we, we've talked about it often and yet Lord if we're all honest we're not living it like we need to be and Lord I, I pray this morning that you would renew our minds lord that you would transform us and make us more like your son and lord that we would not just look at this oh I, I i know this verse i know what the truth here but lord i pray that you would uh give us a new excitement for the truth that we find here that you instruct us with through your servant paul and um lord change us and uh, lord uh, help us come under your word and not stand over it this morning and we pray this in jesus name Amen. Well, I have confession to make this morning. Y'all ready for confession from your pastor? The confession of a pastor. December 29th, 2013. Here's my confession. I need to change. I need to change. When I look at my life and the roles that the Lord has called me to walk in and to fulfill I need to change I need to change as a husband I was reminded this morning that I need to change as a father I need to change as a pastor I need to change as a friend I need to change as a son and a brother I need to change as a coach I need to change and in Galatians five twenty two through 23 Paul lays out what it looks like when someone is controlled by the Holy Spirit and he says that the fruit of the Spirit is this love joy peace patience kindness gentleness faithfulness and self-control when I think about those things and I think about the role that God has called me to walk in my only conclusion is I need to change I-, I need to be more loving I-, I need to be more joyful I need to be more if you can say this more good I need to be more kind and more patient and more gentle and more faithful and I need more self-control. I I need that in all areas of my life. I told you I was reminded this morning, I'm reminded every day that I need to change but I was reminded this morning that I need to be more patient as I wasn't patient with one of my children this morning. Even as I was getting ready to come and preach this message this morning The Lord reminded me, Brian, you need to change. You need to change. So here's my question to you. How about you? Do you need to change? For all honest, this morning we would all say, I need to change. I need to change. well in Romans 8 28 and 29 the Lord says the purpose for all of his children is to do this to make us conform us to the image of his son that's his purpose for us is to conform us to make us more like Jesus when I look again at where I am in this process being more like Christ I can say this I'm thankful I'm a lot further than I was I'm a lot more like Christ than I was last year and the year before that. But man, I still got a long way to go. I still need to change. And not only is it his purpose to change us to be more like Christ, but listen, he also gives us the power to change to be more like Christ. It'd be one thing if he gave us the purpose be more like Christ. Go get him. And we would fall and stumble and stumble and stumble and stumble and fail. But he doesn't say, just go get him. He says, my purpose is that you become more like my son. And here's how you're going to do it. I'm going to be the power to do it. I'm not going to send you off. I'm going to go with you and be in you. And give you the power to fulfill my purpose for you. To be more like Jesus. Well, if you really want to change here's good news God's word is clear on how we can change you can change and become more like Jesus he promises that but before we look at, at God's word this morning and, and what it says about change I, I need to address one more thing I realize there's people here in, in, in this audience I'm not thinking about any particular one person but I, I just realize there's people here this morning that don't believe they can change you might be thinking or might say brian you really don't know me you don't know how many times i've tried to change you don't know what i've done and where i've been and i would respond you know what i don't know you like you know yourself i don't know necessarily all the places you've been and all that you've done but i do know this that god's word promises that you can change and if you've tried and 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 tried to change let me say this and you'll understand it later quit trying quit trying I came to a point in my life when I was in college I just had to quit trying I give up and when we say we give up we're about the right place we need to be And as we look walk down through this passage of scripture, you'll see that. But I want you to know that God wants you to know, He sent Jesus to rescue you not only from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin on a daily basis, so that you might change and be more like Jesus. God wants that for you. He promises that to you. You can change if you trusted in Christ alone as your Savior and Lord, then the Bible says that you are a child of God, you are a saint, you are holy, you are blameless, you're the righteousness of God in Him, you are forgiven. We say that you are, are forgiven past... Actually, it's the perfect tense, meaning last forever. You are forgiven you have a new nature you have the holy spirit residing in you that's who you are in christ and that is the most important thing you can know a friend of mine says it this way what you do is not who you are although who you are has a tremendous impact on what you do let me say that again and you've heard it many times from me haven't you what you do is not who you are although who you are has a tremendous impact on what you do. Dave Harvey in his book Rescuing Ambition sums it up this way. says it just another way. It starts with who we are then it moves on to what we do. And if you are in Christ who you are is everything. You're his child. You're a saint. You're holy. You're beloved. You're forgiven. You're perfect it even says. That's who you are. Well Paul's words to the church of Philippi remind us that God's commitment to change us and make us more like christ it's just it's amazing i mean he's committed look at this philippians 1 6 and i'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of christ jesus listen god is committed god is committed to you being more like jesus he's committed are you god is he's all in are you all in am i all in if you're committed to change you can change you can change and god this morning wants to teach us and remind us of that truth so let's look here at this passage these two verses in romans 12 and and, and in this we're going to look at four loving exhortations that by his grace will lead to change in our life and the first exhortation i want If you're keeping notes you can write this down that will lead to change is embrace the motivation for change embrace the motivation for change what is it that motivates us to change why would we want to change i mean many people it's coming up on the new year you know you're looking at your body physically and stuff like that and it's not looking exactly how you'd want it to look or feeling like you'd want it to look right so that may be your motivation to change your physical body as you look and i'm a little too big Uh, my pants my belt broke last night um, actually, I was taking it off when it broke. Okay, it didn't break just when I was wearing it, all right? But although, if I keep going the way I'm going, it might, all right? So, we, we look, and we, we, maybe that's the motivation. We look, and we want to change. So, what's our motivation to, to change spiritually, to become more like Jesus? Well, thankfully, Paul gives us that motivation. Look there in verse 1, the beginning. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, in order to understand the proper motivation for change, we need to understand two key things here about that phrase. Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. The first key thing in the, is the phrase, mercies of God. Uh, mercies, uh, sometimes people define grace as uh, getting something you don't deserve, and mercy is uh, not getting what you do deserve. And there's some truth to that, but, but off, often it's bigger than that, and they kind of intertwine. But it's speaking of the gifts given by God. And if you look at the context here, right after that, he's going to talk about spiritual gifts. All right, But before that, he talks about a lot of things, too, which is the second thing. We need to understand what mer- the mercies of God are. All right, And the second thing is found in the word therefore. So what are we supposed to ask when we see the word therefore in Scripture? What's it there for? All right, what's it there for? Well, generally more often than not it's pointing backward to something that came before something paul just said and, and when we discover what this therefore is therefore we'll discover what the mercies of god in which paul is referring to are and this will give us the motivation for change so what are the mercies that paul speaks of leading up to romans twelve one? so we're going to teach 1 through 11 this morning i'm kidding all right chapters 1 through 11 but we don't have time to look at all those mercies all those amazing gifts that god has given uh uh, the people who know him but basically in verses 1 through 11 let me summarize the book of romans for you it teaches this we who have sinned radically are the recipients of the radical grace of god that gives us forgiveness and a new life that glorifies glorifies him So we who have sinned radically are the recipients of the radical grace of God that brings forgiveness and new life that honors him. That's the summary of the mercies of God that he's speaking of. And listen to how Paul responds to the mercies of God. If you look there, just the verses right before 12.1 and verses 33 through 36 of chapter 11, this is Paul's response to that truth I just summarized. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. He's overwhelmed by the mercies of God. And my prayer is his mercies would affect us in the same thing. It would bring about the motivation for change when we think about all that God has done for us, has done in us, is doing through us. And be amazed. And see how unsearchable they are. They're unfathomable i can't get over them i love what kent hughes says about the mercies of god and and this motivation to change he writes this the greater our comprehension of what god has done for us the greater our commitment should be practically applied christ's gift meditated on accepted taken to heart is a magnet drawing us to the deepest commitment to him And I think this truth is what inspired Isaac Watts to write this in one of his famous hymns. Love so amazing, so divine. Listen to this. Demands my soul, my life, my all. It demands it. Well, are you motivated to change in view of his mercies? I want to challenge each of you here today to grow in your comprehension of all that God, by his grace, has done for you, has done in you, and is doing through you. Be earnest to understand those greater, because the more you understand them, the greater your motivation for change will be. Well, let's look at the second exhortation that will lead to change. Not only knowing the motivation, but also embrace the commitment to change. In order to embrace the commitment to change, we need to understand what this commitment to change is all about. We we need to understand commitment. Often, I think, in the world today and in the church today, we we really don't talk about commitment much anymore. Uh, Jesus, when he came on the earth, he didn't say, pray this prayer and you're in. He said, die to yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It was serious. It was a commitment. And Paul here just reminds us, well, here's the commitment we're talking about. This commitment to change. The first thing we know about this commitment to change is it's a total commitment. It's a total commitment. And look with me in the, at the phrase there in verse 1. He says, the next phrase, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. In these words, we, we see Paul emphasize that this commitment is total. And he's using language of the Old Testament sacrifices so they can understand how total this commitment to change was. Just the word present, your translation may say offer. It means to yield or surrender. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And it's used for priests pre- placing an offering on the altar present offer and you put it on the altar the next word bodies it made the original readers of this letter remember the bodily sacrifices in the old testament the, the body signifies everything that we are our our, our bodies a total being uh, living as a believer we're not killed physically right I mean, obviously we die ourselves all right, and Paul says he died daily, but but we really are yielding our new life in Christ to be used for his glory, H- and the thought here is that the, the sacrifice will be continually yielded up the the, the, the the bodies of these sacrifices were delivered up once, but there was a, a continual continual offering, but they kept dying, and but we're a living sacrifice, so there's this idea that daily we're offering ourself as sacrifices, living sacrifices, holy. This is speaking of the purity of the offering. Remember that when, when in the Old Testament they brought a pure lamb, the best lamb that they had, the best animal that they had. Not, not, not second place, not third place, not the one that nobody wanted, but they gave their very, very best. And we too are to offer our very, very best holy offering. I think about Malachi 1.8. When you present, this is uh, the the Lord speaking through Malachi and speaking to those who were not giving their best. He says, "When you present the blind for sacrifice, is not is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you, or would he receive you kindly? You see, God didn't want the Israelites of Malachi's day to give him the second best, and He doesn't want us to give His second best either. Well, yeah, if I have time, I might be able to squeeze Him in." Let me see if i can get him into my schedule today that's not the kind of holy sacrifice that lord is asking he wants our very best now now look at the word sacrifice uh, this word speaks of the fact that the whole offering is consumed it's it's a sacrifice the old testament sacrifices are clearly in view here in, in paul's exhortation to a commitment to change he uses this as a sacrificial language over and over and over again to 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 emphasize the total commitment notice what paul says that the kind of commitment is before god there it says it's acceptable your translation may say pleasing it's a pleasing to god it's acceptable to god and it speaks to the fact that that this total commitment is the only kind of commitment that is pleasing to god there's not another kind there's not there's not option one two three this is the only kind of commitment that is acceptable or pleasing to god it's illustrated clearly and you've heard this illustration probably before but i think it's a great illustration it's illustrated clearly when we consider what goes into a good breakfast all right and breakfast is my favorite meal of the day and i could eat it that's why i love cracker barrel serve it all the time and growing up i like bob evans you get it all the time at bob evans all right we need a bob evans and a cracker barrel here i think all right but hey i love breakfast but listen this when you think goes into a good breakfast the cow gives a glass of milk Way to go, cow. The chicken gives an egg. And the pig gives the bacon. And the cow and the chicken are only involved in breakfast. But the pig's committed. <laughs> and this is the kind of commitment that we give our all, not just part of us. Are we only involved? Or are we committed? I read this, uh, I don't know where I read it I probably read it many times I think a friend of mine tweeted it uh, last year or something like that And I don't know why he tweeted it but I retweeted it because I thought it was real good but what we call commitment God calls attendance and that cut deeply commitment is all of us all of us all that we are total so the first thing we need to understand about this commitment is total the second thing we need to understand about this commitment is it's logical commitment so it's a total commitment it's a logical commitment notice there in in your in your in the bibles uh, in your bibles it says which is your the end of chapter uh, verse one it says it which is your spiritual service of worship now some of your translations may say reasonable all right who has a reasonable in their in their in their translation anybody have a reasonable okay we got a few here got a reasonable this is reasonable and and the word there for spiritual it's it's a greek word and i'm going to tell you the greek word because it sounds like an english word that's the only reason i'm going to tell you this is logikos logikos and it means reasonable rational and we get the word logical from this word logikos it's a logical commitment In view of all that God has done for us, total commitment is the only logical or reasonable response. Was Jesus involved or was he committed? Committed, wasn't he? Committed. And in view of that commitment toward us and his mercies toward us, the only logical response is commitment. I love what David Livingston wrote when people began to make a big deal he's a missionary in africa back when it was I and mean, it's never easy to be a missionary in africa but this is was, really wasn't easy he was a pioneer missionary in Ac- africa but they made a big deal about his commitment and his sacrifice he was making in his efforts in africa and here's what he wrote people talk of the sacrifice i've made in spending so much time of my so much of my life in africa can that be called sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of the great debt owing to our god which we can never repay is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward of health healthful activity the consciousness of doing good peace of mind and a bright hope of a glorious destination after, hereafter away with such a word such a view and such a thought it is in factly no sacrifice say rather it is a privilege anxiety sickness suffering or danger now and then with a for forgoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life make may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and sink, but let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not talk when we remember the great sacrifice of which he made who left us his father's throne who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. That sacrifice. And here David Livingston We would all say, man, that guy sacrificed. He's saying, away with such a word. Why? Because he was committed. He was committed. It was the only logical response for him as he thought about the mercies of God and the commitment that God had toward him to love him and while he was yet a sinner. A logical commitment. And when each of us consider all that the Lord has done for us and in us and through us, the only logical thing that we can even think of the only reasonable thing is commitment commitment well paul exhorts us to embrace the motivation for change he exhorts us to embrace the commitment to change and thirdly he exhorts us to embrace the process of change He gives two commands involving this this process that he's talking about. He gives a negative command, and he gives a positive command about the process of change. Uh, First, let's look at the negative command. It's seen in um, verse 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world. Uh, The word there, conformed, it means to be molded or shaped like clay or or play-doh. All right. maybe a lot of your younger parents are more into play-doh right now right again like we are our house we got the play-doh stuff going right and we we mold and we make the play-doh into what we want you can have these molds you know you can make cookie monster now you can just squish him on there and you pull it off and there's cookie monster i know that because we have one and i've done that recently all right and you mold the, the play-doh just how you want it and, and it speaks of something or someone else from the outside doing the molding or the shaping we see this in, 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 in this. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Or, or this age is what it's speaking of. Uh, and and this, this, this passing age is, is dominated by the small g God of this world, Satan. It's this passing age's world. And, and, and similar, it, it, there's another passage in, in Hebrews chapter 12. Happens to be verses 1 and 2. that talks about the sin that so in, te- easily entangles us. So, so what does this molding look like to, to the world? Uh, often, those encumbrances that so easily entangle us don't look bad on the outside. And in fact, inherently of themselves, they're not bad at all. This is the lie. It, it could be your family. It, it could be friends. It, it could be your work or hobbies. It could be your sport. It, it could be the internet. And, on and, on. and none of those things inherently of themselves are bad. We would all say that. None of them are definitely sinful, but often it's those that are the things that so easily entangle us. Not that, what man, this guy over here, he's getting drunk all the time, or he's killing somebody, or he's cheating his, 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 the government. And those things we all, yeah, those are all bad. But, but, but when we think about these things, we don't always think of them as possible sin. They are sin when we put them before the Lord. What is it for you? What, what, are, what are those things that, that, that the world is fooling you with and conforming you to the image of the world? I, I'm telling you, the, 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 the American dream is not God's dream. It's not. And, and we can buy into the American dream as quick as anyone else. Got a nice family, two and a half kids. I've got six, okay? I'm going for a bigger dream, all right? Two-car garage two cars nice little plot nice mowed lawn or five acres of land or whatever your acreage is whatever it is we can allow that to all of a sudden be the sin that so easily entangles us can't we we'll all be honest we pursue the world's dream for us and we're conformed to that the enemy Satan wants to keep us busy doing the good things to keep us from the best thing making disciples the great commission for the glory of God well Paul's process of change first includes this negative command don't be conformed to this world but there's a the positive command of but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and this word transformed it's another Greek word where we get an English word from it's metamorpho and we get the word what? metamorphosis from this word it carries the idea of something changing on the outside because of what they are on the inside. It's completely different. Butterfly. Frog. Right? They change into something because of what they are on the inside. Something going on the inside, not on the outside. And this word is a passive imperative, which points to the fact that this change must be done by someone or something else. We are being acted up on we're not bringing about the change in our own strength but it's coming from the inside and it's also in a present tense verb which points to the fact that this is an ongoing process He is keep being transformed keep being transformed keep being transformed what is it that is continually working from within us to bring about this process of transformation uh, the word for transformed this th- i think this will really help us the word for transformed is only used three times in the New Testament, three other times in the New Testament, two of them are talking about Jesus's transfiguration. It's something from the inside. All of a sudden, something outside showed up. Right, his his, his 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 veiling of his glory was temporarily unveiled for a second. Uh, but there's one other time, and I think this verse will help us understand what it means to be transformed. Second Corinthians three eighteen says, "But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being." transformed into the same image from glory to glory justice from the lord the spirit so we he- see here that we are being transformed from the lord or by the lord the spirit it's talking about the holy spirit by what means is the holy spirit transform us from within I and mean, that's the answer that's what's us from in that's what's doing the work in us and through us to transform us to change us it's by the lord or from the lord the spirit well what does he use to change us well look at the rest of verse two after that being transformed by the renewing of the mind the holy spirit changes the way we think he changes our thought process from thinking worldly to thinking biblically to thinking godly and the key to this change or transformation is the mind or the heart often those words are used interchangeable it's the core of of of, of who we are that the inner being that 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 Um, We can talk about the the spirit and the soul and and, and the flesh or the the spirit, the soul, the the will, all these things, but the the inner being deep within who we are, it's what controls our thoughts and actions, this mind, all right, which is often used, again, the words are often used, heart. um, But how does this happen? It happens as we submerge ourselves into God's inerrant and sufficient word found in the 66 books we have in front of us. 39 Old Testament, 27 new as we immerse ourself in there and we learn to put away thinking of this world and apply the thinking of god look what paul writes in ephesians 4 chapter 22 uh, verse 22 and 23 he says that in reference to your former manner of life you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind as our minds are changed from his word through his spirit we all of a sudden see our thoughts change and our motivations change and our desires and our actions change as that happens this this trans, transformation is a process as i mentioned before and it's known as in big terms progressive sanctification progressive sanctification this process of changing the word sanctify comes from the same word holy all right this of making holy it is a process now there is a another part of the Of being holy that's not a process when when God indwells you with the Holy Spirit he declares you you are holy right now in your person he gives you a new nature but we say all of our thoughts and actions and and behavior is holy no so he's doing this here's who we are in Christ we're up here but his the process is here he's changing us to conform us and transform us more and more the image of his son to who he's already made us into in Christ this is what's happening in our life so it's a process. Maybe three steps forward, two steps back sometimes. But it's a process. It doesn't happen like that. It happens over time. And he does this as we daily place ourself in the abundant flow of God's Word. This is the prescribed means or agent of change. We do this individually we read God's Word. We we may do it in a small group as we read and study God's Word together. But we may do it one-on-one. We get together with somebody else and and we're reading something, the the, the Word of God together, and we're talking about it. And I want to urge each of us this morning to immerse ourselves in God's Word. And in doing so, you will see God begin to transform you more into the image of His Son. It's the agent of change. Uh, I'll give you some more ideas here in a few minutes of how you can do this, what that might look like. Uh, but God, through his word, has now exhorted us to embrace the motivation for change, to embrace the commitment to change, to embrace the process of change. And fourthly, here's a fourth exhortation. Enjoy the results of change. Enjoy the, you'll have to enjoy things, right? I do. I can enjoy things. and He wants us to enjoy the results that come from him changing us. Once our mind is being renewed continually by the power of the Holy Spirit through his word, what will the results, the product of this process of change be? First, you will know and do his will. You will know and do his will. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, so that you may prove what the will of God is. I like the way the ESV translates this. It says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. In other words, we know his will by testing and proving everything that crosses our path by the word of God we, we, we look at it and this is what the, the, the Bereans I love the Bereans this is what they did in Acts 17 11, As this is the apostle Paul speaking this isn't me this is the apostle Paul his preaching to them and here's what they did the Bereans now these things were no, these were no more, more, more noble minded than those in Thessalonica for they received the word with great eagerness look what they did examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so they're going to check Paul out see what he has said what he said was true is this god's word and if it is great they, they could examine and say is this god's will and, and once they could see it's god's will then they could do god's will so one of the in enjoying the, this process of change is knowing and doing the will of god as we submit ourselves to the word of god we use the word of god to filter everything in our life then we can know and do his will Second result of the process of change that we can enjoy is you will know his pleasure. Uh, Look look what it says. It says that that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Or your translation may be, say, pleasing. In knowing and doing his will, we find it to be good and pleasing. Paul even says in Romans 7.22 that I joyfully concur with the law of God and the inner man. When I do this, I'm, I'm enjoying it. How about this old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be, help me, happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. There's joy in it, in obeying the Lord. We, we all know that. And not only is it good and pleasing, is there joy in it, but, but it, said, look there, it also says it, the perfect, in the sense that it's complete, and, and it lacks nothing, that we need for life and godliness and brings joy in all areas look what peter writes in second peter 1 3 seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence how do we uh, um know the true no- how, how do we have everything pertaining to life and godliness what through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence through knowing christ knowing him is through his word by the power of the holy spirit we're given everything we need for life and godliness it's not insufficient. It's sufficient. Well, God's will for us is to honor Him, and while honoring Him, as you could, see, the, the the Westminster Confession is, what's the chief end of man? What to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I like what John Piper says about that. He says it to glorify God while enjoying Him forever. It goes hand in hand. When we glorify God, we find that there's a joy in it. And, and that's his purpose for us. We find that this pleasing and, and glorifying God. In Second Corinthians five nine, therefore we also have our, as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. Paul writes in First Corinthians ten thirty one: Whether then you eat or drink, and whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. This is what we were created for—to bring Him honor as He conforms us more to the image of His Son. And in doing that, we enjoy it. Now, I don't know about you all, but as a child, I always wanted to please my my, my earthly father and maybe you didn't have an earthy father that was around all the time, but there was probably somebody as a child you wanted to please. Your coach, your teacher, your, your mom, somebody you wanted to please them. You did everything you could to please them. You never wanted them to be disappointed in you. How much more our Heavenly Father who's so committed to us he would send his son to die in our place. And I want to please him. I want to honor him. Well, let me ask you, the question I asked earlier do you really want to change do you really want to change by God's grace we've seen that we can not only is he the he he gives us a purpose to do it and commands us to do it but he gives us the power to do it it's a guarantee allow his mercies to be your motivation for change and then commit to total change in all areas of your life after all this is the logical thing to do isn't it it's the only reasonable thing to do the only way this will happen is by allowing is putting ourselves in the flow the fountain the waterfall bigger than niagara falls waterfall kind of thing of his gracious word given to us and then allow the holy spirit to take that and transform you from the inside out that's the only way it's going to happen god's chosen agent for transformation or change is his word and jesus was clear about this we saw when we went through john john 17 17 he says he prays the father sanctify them in the truth your word is truth there's no other agent that god has given us but to be sanctified to be changed of course the spirit is the. the, we can can, it's not just the words on the page right this is a living word Living an act of sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing the soul and spirit kind of word, that the spirit enacts in our life. It's the only agent of change that he's given us. I need to change, and you need to change. And it will only happen if we consistently place ourselves in God's word. Now, let me just say this. Just because you're getting into God's word does not guarantee change will take place. Let me say that again. Just because you're getting into God's Word does not guarantee change will take place. However, change is guaranteed if not only are we getting into the Word, but the Word's getting into us, and we obey. We we put it to practice. Then it's a guarantee it will change. It will change us as we put it into practice. Read, study, and apply God's Word equals change there's your math formula reading studying and applying god's word equals change here's another guarantee if you do not consistently get into god's word you will not change if you're not consistently in the word of god you will not change you can say i want to change all you want but you'll never change apart from consistently being his word Now, now all you're going this is nothing new to me i know it's nothing new to me too but don't we need to be reminded of this as the world begins to crowd out our time right and all of a sudden that gets laid aside but we want to change but we can't without the word of god empowered by the holy spirit in our life so what's your plan what's your plan and you've heard me say this before if you fail to plan you plan to fail it will not happen by accident think about how all the things in your life happen by accident not many things we plan things we, we we set aside and we say we're going to do this and we do them. Here's a great site with multiple readings. All right, gosh, it's blue. It shouldn't be blue. it was it was, it was white on my screen. All right, all right. I'll give it to you. All right. The first one is www.esv.org backslash resources. Okay, ESV.org backslashes resources backslash reading dash plans dash devotion so esv.org backslash resources plural backslash reading dash plans dash devotions backslash and if you want me to give that to you later i will i'm sorry that didn't show up how i wanted it there's another great app for your for your any of your mobile devices you might have it's called you version it's just www.bible.com that's an easy one to remember right and it's got all these different ways ways you can read through the bible you may want to read through the New Testament. You want to read the Bible chronologically. You may want to re- read it three different readings during the day or whatever it might be to read God's Word, to be in God's Word. All right, that's Bible.com. And, and let me give you something that's often missed. I, I think we ought to be reading God's Word. It ought to be a part of our daily life, no doubt. I think God is part of the way he changes us. Um, but often we miss this. Here's another question for you. Not only what is your plan to read god's word on a consistent basis on a daily basis but who will you get together with this year to discuss what you're reading and how it applies to your life who, who are you going to get together with to do that because you can just sit in quietness of your home and that, it's not going to be it's not going to be as ineffective but it'll be more effective if you get together with somebody on a weekly You say hey what have you been reading how it apply? To, how you seen that apply to your life what do you think this means for us and how we put it into action it helps us stick with it and apply it well okay I, I'm, I'm ready for you this morning I'm going to play or do what Paul does often and when he writes he, he, he looks for objections right so I've just got a few objections written down here if you're saying well oh, okay you know. so you're my friend and you may object by saying that you don't have time to read the Bible this year you don't have the time to read the Bible in a year so here's what I would do I would point my friend to Matthew 6:21, that says this where your treasure is there will your heart be also you make time for things that are important to you and you say you want to change so I'm telling you that if you really want to change then you'll make time for it and, and I would also challenge my friend and say what do you read on a daily basis T- tell me what you read and hopefully they tell me and I said well you got time to read that Life, and man, this is kind of a little more too cont- confrontational to me. I can't handle that. I remember a guy told me a guy changed his life. Uh, he kept coming to church with his family. He didn't know the Lord at the time. He kept coming to church with his family. He was kind of checking it off. Came golfing season. And he was gone. So this older guy pursued him and he said, Hey, where you been on Sunday mornings, Tom? He wouldn't mind me saying his name. Tom, where you been? And he goes, Oh, ah, man, it's beautiful. I said, I ain't got t- 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 time to golf. And the guy says this. Well, it just shows me where your heart is. Kind of harsh, huh? No, most loving thing this guy said was ever said to him he was mad at first but it made him examine his heart so to say hey you read all these other things and you don't have time you sure about that and i would just uh, here's here's the statistics the average person reads 200 250 words per minute that's the average person okay there are about seven hundred seventy five thousand words in the bible therefore it takes less than 10 minutes a day to read the whole bible in a year i'm a slow reader okay we'll give you 30 i mean really i mean maybe that's it's okay 30, 30 minutes out of your whole day, wow. So if, if that's the excuse, I don't have time, there's not an excuse. Objection two, maybe my friend might object by saying, well, he doesn't understand the King James Version his grandmother gave him when he was little. And I say, okay, you don't understand the King James Version? Great, I'll buy you another version that you can understand. So if you're here this morning and saying, you know, I'd I read it, but man, I can't, the only Bible I've got is King James and I can't understand it. Let me know. I'll buy you a new Bible, and I mean that. You let me know if that's what's keeping you from reading God's Word. You let me know, and I will buy you a brand new Bible. Not because yours isn't leather, all right. Just because you can't read it, all right. Whatever the the, the objection might be, all right. Third objection: My friend may object by saying he doesn't have time to get together once a week to discuss and apply the principle from Scripture that we that that we were reading that week. I'll buy you breakfast. I don't know many guys will ever turn that down. I'll buy you lunch. Maybe you work out with somebody. Maybe you got this friend you work out with. Hey, let's just let's talk about it as we're working out. we got time. Well, let's make time. And don't let ex- any excuse comes up, find a way to get around it. And say, hey, let, let's be committed to this. Committed to change because the Lord wants to change us all and make us more like Jesus. You want to change? And God's word has been cleared this morning. My prayer is that we change this from the inside out if you're here this morning you've never started that process of change then my my challenge to you is then to understand that God is holy and he calls us to glorify him perfectly and the Bible says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God we don't do that and he says the wages of sin is death eternal separation from God forever but he's also loving the free gift of God is this eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord and those who will reject trusting themselves and respond by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him alone for salvation he'll change you forever and make you his own my prayers you've never done that you do that this morning if you want to talk about that grab me I'll be happy to talk to you about that let's pray lord thank you so much for your word thank you for the transforming power that we find in your word lord, we want to change we really do lord i pray you give us the proper motivation to change and help us understand the commitment we have to change and to embrace both of those things so that we might see change in our life that makes us more like jesus and brings you honor and glory We beg you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.